Welcome to Improve Debates Impact. This is the podcast from the International Debate Education Association, where we talk about how we can improve debate education as a whole. Because we feel that behind every potential world champion, there is a team that makes that world champion possible. And today we're going to look at a place where we might see future debate champions born, because we're going to learn from best practices of how we set up debating in the wonderful place of Curaçao. We're going to look at this with Natalia Engelhardt, a former debating at Wageningen University, a former convener of the unfortunately cancelled um, Pan-Americans uh, and potentially still ongoing Samuda next that would have been held next year in Willemstad. Uh, Natalia, fantastic to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation to be on the show. <laughs> Great. Let me just ask you for yourself briefly, why did you start debating? What do you like about it? And, and what are you proud of having achieved within the game? Uh, well, it's, it's always a funny story to tell. I actually started because a friend of mine was starting the association in Wageningen, Lara, and she said, would you like to join? I was like, sure, why not? Um, I've never debated before. I had zero experience. I only saw a movie that was um, The Great Debaters by Denzel Washington. I was like, yeah, I can do that. Um, so yeah, that's how I started back in Wageningen. It was uh, at first, a bit um, uh, a bit scary because it's a totally new. I didn't feel uncomfortable debating, but it still was a new a new era, like a new a whole new platform to discover. Like, what can you do? What are the rules? And um, yeah, it's been a while now. I think it's six to seven years now that I've been debating in many different contexts. And I think that's one of the things that I'm more proud of that um, it wasn't just um, debating as in the competitive sense, but I also explored debating in other contexts because I think there is um, such rich value, um, so many things that you can learn from debating that go beyond the competitive part of it, um, that makes it unique and a special skill, special skill set um, that you can get out of it. So yeah, um, I'm happy that I got to debate in many different languages. So I started in, in English, I did Dutch, I also did Spanish. Um, in Curacao right now, we're trying to do in Papiamento as well. So I think that is a, a, a cool thing that I got to do with debating and that I also got to experience all the different sides of it. So I was a debater, I did convene some small tournaments in, in Wageningen, I was a judge as well. Um, I participated in many different tournaments, like I traveled all around the world. So I think those are the things that I'm really happy that I did with debating. That's wonderful. I think you even failed to mention that you reached, I think, the Spanish second language final when you were speaking. In, <laughs> yeah, the, the that Spanish was my first. Um, that, that was like I went to the brief, um, the, the tournament before the championships or the world championship in Spanish. And that was my first Spanish tournament. And then we went to the, the Spanish world championship and me and my partner, we reached the finals for Spanish as second language. And um, that opened quite some doors. Um, Two years after, I got to be um, a judge at the um, at the Spanish World Championships again. I won best judge at that tournament, and the year after, I was um, in the edge core of the Spanish World Championship. So, um, Spanish debating definitely opened a lot of doors for me. I got to travel like way more places, even with the English um, debating. Just, um, um, debating circuit and it was really opening so the whole community really opened up their arms like okay embracing me um, and my um, my Spanish speaking skills <laughs> so it, it was it, it was definitely a fun aspect of it as well yeah 
And I think definitely an aspect of the English-speaking language should definitely be more curious about. Obviously, we now have had uh, a Spanish team today, as we're speaking, in the European Championships final. But there's a whole yeah. lot more to uncover there as well. Yeah, the, 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 the circuits are mixing a lot. There's also a lot of, for example, Spanish speakers that initially started in the English circuit that are now going back more to the Spanish division. So I think there's a lot of inter and, and exchange and um, happening and mixing happening. So I think there's definitely a lot more to the Spanish um, debating circuit that the English still has to discover. So I hope that keeps on going as well. Mm -hmm. And as you point out as well, Curacao is a wonderful, like multilingual place. And yeah. that's where you're going to set up debate. Now, before we talk about the organization that you're now mm -hmm. like setting up within Curacao, not everyone might know the country. So it might be useful mm -hmm. to try and, and paint a picture of what is the context in which you're operating? Um, well, Curacao is a very, very small, uh, very small island. Um, we're part of the Dutch kingdom and as part of that and with our history and colonialism and slavery and all of that, we speak four different languages. So um, it's usual for people in Curacao to speak uh, Papiamento, which is a native language, English, Spanish and Dutch. Um, and three of those are also the official languages. So um, you get taught those in school and you grow up with that environment. We're very, very small. I think now we're close to 160,000 um, inhabitants. Um, and in this setting, we, we don't have what you know as debating as a hobby or debating as a sport where you have regular competitions and tournaments and um, each school has their own team. That's, that's unfamiliar to us. Um, that's why when I went to study, because I lived here almost all my life and then I went to study in the Netherlands and I came back. And before that time, I've never debated before. So I've, I've never heard, you only hear from political debates, which sadly aren't, uh, aren't at the level that are supposed to be or close to what you would say ideal. Um, so once I learned what it was in the Netherlands, I decided, okay, I'm definitely bringing this back. So the context here, um, there are people are embracing more these skills such as public speaking and argumentation. So there are more people with interest in what is this debating and how do I do it? And there are small workshops being given, but we're working right now in establishing a proper, like a, a structural way that debating can be taught in schools and in neighborhoods and in all different segments. And of course the fun element as well of, of tournaments and going international. So those are things you be like I try to build on and that's why I formed as well the organization so to to make it in a structural way so that it's sustainable um and yeah with a with idea of spreading debate like it's really a starting from zero because it's not like people know what it is it's like oh let me join you it's like uh what is that why are you doing that that's weird um but okay tell me more so um it took a while before I got to the tell me more part of it it was mainly what is that it's weird um, but now the interest is, um, is it's growing and I, there's a definitely like um, the, the environment is starting to embrace the idea of debate more, especially debate education and of course the fun part, which is the, the tournament aspect of it. So what, what then is your dream? Do you want to like create a Curacao and high school debating circuit that would like look like a Hong Kong debating circuit with like superstars from Curacao go to the World School Championships or are you interested in getting like an army of little guys who just walk up to the <laughs> parliament in Willemstad and say we need like to be listened to and like, get this kind of advocacy in? Wh where do you see your organization <laughs> leading to? 
my um my like naturally i would incline to the second one i i have a I already have a group of mini activists uh, walking around so i'm proud that i contributed to that um but i definitely i think we need more youth activism and i think there's a lot of um youth here that have a lot to say but never given the tools to know how to say it and um what are the best way to express themselves and i think that is the most needed part of it and of course there's a there's a group as well that i can see easily taking over the the competition aspect and like run with it and go ahead and be world champions so i think if i can open up the um open up the, the the door so that they can see that that is also a possibility then i would be very happy because um we're um we're uh let's say football and baseball kind of nation so we have i think per capita the biggest amount of people go into the mlb um and that's really popular like sports element of it but i think if i can show at least a group that this is like a kind of sport that is also fun and that you can also learn um, useful skills then it will be cool but the main thing will always be the activist part of it so little people that can go to the to the parliament like you said and say okay these are the changes we want and especially young professionals as well um seeing that the the society is asking is demanding for new fresh voices in the governments and i think this is a skill that can help create or, or help further develop those fresh new young voices that we already have and given that there's of course so many there are curacao's who are good at like pitching and hitting i i'm assuming they're going to be incredibly <laughs> good at asking and taking points information at least yeah most definitely i think um uh, by nature we have this like this expressive this, so we're very expressive so um like people used to say of the italians they speak with their hands we have something very similar here um we like storytelling so storytelling is something very embedded in our culture so Debating most definitely has its place. It's just um, connecting the dots between the different skill set that's already there, taught in different forms, and united into okay, this is a debate, this is a speech, and you can use it in other contexts as well. So I'm very curious to hear how you then managed to develop your small army of activists. So what were the steps that you <laughs> took? How did you persuade them? Um, how how does the organization structure like? Is it just you running around trying to get everything set up, or is there a team behind you? <laughs> it might seem like it, but it's not. Um, in the beginning, so I I returned to Curacao in 2017. So I spent the first um, part of um, my first year here. So I came in end of 2017, by the end of 2018, what I was doing mainly was um, working as a youth leader in different environments, so not per se debate, but in other contexts. So for example, we have the youth parliament and I tried to see there. So first I, I always had this idea, I'm not just gonna come and say, okay, this is a debate, do it. I wanted to see how it can be best integrated in what's already here because I, I am from here, but I've been away for so long. So I needed to reintegrate myself and see what works and what doesn't work. And from that, um, from that work, so that volunteer work that I did in the beginning, I, um, I grew a network. So I learned to know, okay, who are the people to approach? Where are the kids at? So where can I find them? Um, who has interest in these kind of topics and what needs to be done? And with that information, I um, found two crazy people that said, okay, we can join you in a, in a, in a foundation. And we set up debate, educative, debate Education Foundation Curacao, which is debated. 
and um, from there on we launched um, some so we started with a high school pro program so kids from any high school could just join and they get debating lectures like once a week and we do fun stuff as well and the first thing was just okay i'm just gonna put this on social media if there are kids out there that will like this please come so it was like please come please come please come <laughs> and um, they came so in the beginning it was like um three and then it went to eight and then it was ten um so there was a small army of of of, of youth that was interested and with them i would they were um the first group so we had a year long now almost a year and a half that we were having debate regular debate meetings um um, debating different kind of topics and while doing that we're also focusing okay how can we generate a big boom so like an explosion so that more people can see what these youths are already doing and um to do that we thought okay let's organize a big tournament and that's already a different part of it but um and we we try to get as many as many kids from the bottom up so kids that were already interested in debate they were um small activists of their own they might have been interested in um, going to events organized by the government or going to other foundations and speak up so from there we started okay these are the people that might be more interested I also was um, because I teach at the university as well I gathered there a very small group of, of students that were also interested okay this sounds cool this sounds useful and they were also interested okay um, we want more and since we thought, okay, we have, a, a, we have a small group and we know that there's more people out there and what's better way to attract them all by doing one big event. And then from there on, we roll on more structural programs in which we have uh, more regular meetings. And um, then we can also set up smaller tournaments in Curacao as well, like for local tournaments. Um, so that is basically what I have been doing now. The foundation is officially one year and few months. So in that one year, I've had a round of 20, um, 20 youths that I've actually taught some in some way debating. We did have a very small internal tournament um, that was um, with, the, um, with the youth parliament itself as their training program, I, we organized a very small tournament. But um, the big boom didn't happen yet. It is coming though. I, I truly believe the time will come. But from now on, it's more trying to find other creative ways to engage the youth in debating. So not only debating as um, the tournament aspect of it, but also debating, for example, as a resiliency training. Um, because there's a lot of youth that are often forgotten and they're all dumped in, at school and then survive when you're done. And they don't know how to express themselves with words or when they want some change, how do I get to that change? What are the steps and what do I do? And I think um, we were trying to find a way to incorporate debate, debate education skills into other programs as well so that they are more resilient. So that it's not just debate and it's not just sports, but it's a combination of all of those skills that they find interesting and that are useful to them so that can be more resilient overall in life. So I think that is our um, primary focus right now. And eventually this will also lead to tournaments because tournaments are always a fun way to get um, young people to be more interested oh i can win so that it's a, an additional element to it but that um that will come secondary to the resiliency part to having youths that are properly educated and can defend themselves um, for themselves and i think um yeah that ties into what we spoke earlier of wanting an army of activists and i think this is the first part of having that army of activists as well
one thing that really strikes me in this explanation is that you're really moving beyond what we often have to, as a traditional debater, right? So I think lots of debating takes place in a very academic world where people yeah. go in formal education, often like the, the, the most elite type of high schools, they go to university. Yeah. And, and this sounds like you're really reaching it out. And, and do, the, do, the, do the two groups blend together? So we have like University of Curaçao debaters who debate with people who you find on the street and do they learn from each other in that way? Yeah, I think... Um... I think that's the unique thing that we have. We do not have the university culture. So like it has its pro, but it has its cause. We don't have this highly academic, very elite kind of things with universities here on the island. It's mostly the same group of youth, right? Because um, what we have in Curacao is every year you have like around of 300 students that leave the island to go study elsewhere. So those that stay are the same group of youth that you would need for any other activity as well. So they're very much blended with the rest of, for example, young people working or those high school students. So it's a very blended community. So by that means, I, I, it's definitely probable that you will find um, the same person. So I had actually uh, a, a student that was first in high school that we trained with, and then he went to the university and he kept training. So it's, it's very much a mix. And I think that's also why I definitely did not want to have the elite part of debating because... Uh, that's how I got introduced to it and I was like okay it's cool and all but that's not what I want because if it's just elite debating then there would have been a lot of students like me that wouldn't have the that breakthrough I was lucky that I was in Wageningen and it was a small university and the access was easier but I know of a lot of other students that didn't have even that access maybe access because they couldn't get to university or they can get but they don't have the means to keep doing extracurricular because they had to um, work for example or they go but they can't go regularly or they don't get the chance to go to tournaments so um whenever like the first time i had this idea of coming back to curacao with debating i said um, I don't want it to be elite. I don't want it to be for a group of people that have the money to do it. I want it to be for everyone. So that's why, for example, the trainings that we gave are also completely free because I do want it to reach that part of the population that might find it interested but never had the means to do it. And still there's challenging, for example, transportation for them to get to the training and things where we um, uh, chip in every time we can to help. But I, 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 I'm one that always says, like, I would die on that hill, do not make it elite. So I will, I will always try to make it something that is accessible to more people. Because, I, like, like I said, like, the opportunity is um, the problem. Because talent is equally divided. Everybody has talent. Um, but what's lacking often is opportunity. So my plan was always provide that opportunity that I got um, to more people. And that's why we also, it's very blended. So we don't want to have, like, the university kids there and the high school kids or the um, young working population here, but have it more blended, as blended as possible um, to, to make it work for everyone. Fantastic. I mean, one of the things, and I, I, I introduced this best practice, and I truly believe in that, is Curaçao has about as many people as the amount of people that live in my hometown of Nijmegen in the Netherlands, yet you already have, I think, more debaters active in Curaçao <laughs> than we have in Nijmegen, and I think, by and large, that, that, that does come true insofar as it is a very elite activities in where I come from and definitely could be opened up much more. So I'm learning a lot from here. Now you mentioned that of course you want to make sure that it keeps being inclusive. 
um, and that, that does lead to a large amount of like extra challenges in order to get the type of money ahead. So what kind of measures have you been able to take? What kind of support have you been able to garner to make sure that you can keep that dream alive? Um, so the first couple, so like the first six months, um, even more, I think the first even eight to a year, um, it was mainly me paying for everything. Um, so um, because I would, I, I didn't want to ask, like I said, the, the students for money. So I was paying for the location. And at some point I realized, okay, this is not sustainable. Um, I cannot keep doing this. Um, so um, we we are exploring ways to get other types of funding so there are there's a lot of possibilities for funding um there are many um for the private sector but also many other foundations that are exist solely for the purpose to help foundations with um, the financials in order to um, achieve these kind of projects so those are um things that we're exploring um but the main thing we tried up until now is keeping things as cheap as possible so um because it's hard like there are many possibilities but it's hard for you to engage in all of them so while we wait for those bigger sponsors and those bigger money um uh, money support monetary support we are trying to keep everything as as cheap as possible so having um the debates all in in a location we're very lucky that we have a location that can cooperate with the price that it, to keep it um as low as possible and there is how we started from so me paying in the beginning and then after we started getting some some help from people that say okay i want to i want to support somehow so that is that is how we've been surviving so far i think part of having the big boom was also so that the rest of the society can also see hey this is something cool and try to invest in it so um as we were preparing to convene our first international tournament we got many local sponsors that said this sounds um, interesting this might be interesting for the youth so here is some money to sponsor it and with the um, possibility of making it a long-term um, partnership so i think that is one thing that we did we also have we're now exploring to see if we can work with international organizations as well um, especially in the netherlands because we're part of the dutch kingdom so that we can have um, easier cooperation from there um, and that in order to have a stronger foreign front as well to um, apply for different grants. So those are the strategies that we're using first, trying to keep it as cheap as possible and then trying to reach more into the private sector by having um, larger activities that might target their interest from, oh, this is interesting, this is cool. But then that triggers their interest to stay also as a long-term partner, to keep investing in the youth. And I think that that is what we're doing mainly right now um, in that in that sense, because it is definitely challenging um, because as like for as an individual, you cannot support like 20 children yourself for, for a long time. Um, and it's not only that, but if we receive the proper um, finances, we can also invest in, for example, means so that we can get um, transportation for the youths that have it more difficult, but also invest in better materials so that they can have um, those um, as well. Um, so, yeah, those are things that we are looking forward to be able to start doing once that we have more financial support um, coming in. Of course, it's a crisis now, so we're trying to be creative. Um, but um, it is definitely doable still. And I'm pretty sure that the International Bay community would probably love to cooperate in this sense. Is there anything that you think that like international organizations or 
debaters who are particularly listening to this, that if they are thinking I'm inspired, I want to learn more, but also maybe I want to contribute where I can, um, is there anything that they could do? Yes, so um, we're preparing to relaunch our own for socials because because of the lockdown and we were busy, we had a lot of stiff things that were done, but we are trying to um, set that up again and so that they can um, reach out to us directly so they can donate because we're an official foundation, it's easier to receive donations. So we have a specific bank account for that as well. But what I also think beyond um, money, what international debaters can also do is starting first of all, in your own community, because um, I think there's always this sense, I want to help, but without looking like, okay, around the view, there's a lot of people as well that need that help. Um, but if you really want to invest, for example, in Curacao and us, so we can um, teach these kids, you can also invent, if, invest your time. Um, you might not have the, the funds to, to sponsor, for example, one kid to go through our training for a whole year, but you might have um, the interest to do, for example, a workshop, or you can say, okay, for the next um, tournament, I want to partner up with one of yours so that we can, so like a pro-am thing. So those are ways I think you can always support upcoming debaters, not only with monetary part, but also with your knowledge um, and with like experience. So um, I think especially partnering up with novices from new environments can help because they don't get to see those international debates the way that someone from, let's say, Oxford or, I don't know, Leiden can, because um, they, they just, it's, it's, it's a whole different world. And I cannot compete, like, I'm past that point that competing myself, but I, it would be lovely to see international um, debaters competing in tournaments with debaters from less known areas um, and in order to help them break into those rooms that they don't now have access to or that they won't have access to if they will only pair within um with each other so if i have um for example we had a team from curacao that was willing to participate in the panams um, and that was cool because you have a local team that's going and representing but I, what i would want is for in other for example in opens or in other smaller tournaments for them to be able to team up with people internationally and gain more experience from that because that's how i learned as well so i think that is a very beneficial thing yeah, I think part of what your answer really strikes at me is, is indeed the pointing towards the, the local context. And I imagine, for instance, if a Dutch debater listening to this saying, I want to support Curaçao debates, there are lots of Curaçao people who go to study in the Netherlands as well, yeah. um, who they could support, and that in turn would, would support Curaçao yes. debates. And do you have any specific advice, like having yourself gone from Curaçao to the Netherlands to study, like what should like Dutch debating do, for instance, to try and make sure that the Curaçaoans who either already live in the Netherlands or who come to the Netherlands for study feel more welcomed, included and, and supported in debating there? I, I think one of the most important things and that attracted me was that um, it goes beyond the competition. So it goes beyond the tournament. So especially advocating your society as a way, as a way to help develop crucial skills for students. I think that is one thing that you can start there. Um, and as well, when you have tournaments, try to um, couple them up. So try to have more of your novices joining um, by pairing with the more experienced people. And I think specifically for the Curacao, the Curacao population in the Netherlands, I think many, um, many universities nowadays have uh, like a Curacao, a Curacao section where they have um, a, study, a study association or student association, especially for people from Curacao, Aruba, and Bonaire and so on. So 
reach out to those associations as well and try to form partnerships where you have um, tournaments with them, for example, or you have a special training sessions with those um, with those groups. Because um, I think, especially for ourselves, when we go, we're very shy and it's such a cultural shock. You're in a new country, um, you're in a new context, you're no longer a high school student, you're a university student. So a lot of things are new. So you tend to stick with more people that you know or that look like you. Um, and we have a responsibility to make that cycle ourselves. But I think the, the established um, societies can also try to reach out to those groups and see, okay, what can we debate about that are interested to you? Because um, you have topics, for example, the Black Lives Matter movement in the Netherlands, or you have things about this whole allochtone, autochtone debate that you have going on in the Netherlands. I think there are various topics that are interested to us that are not your standard, I don't know, international relationship, um, the emotions, um, that societies do, but those topics can attract a different crowd as well and make your society more inclusive. And also as a society, go beyond and try to reach those groups as well. And that is, you can really grow because they have an input of uh, that you might not have within your society already. So I think those are techniques that societies can use to um, improve, but also reach out to um, People, for example, from Curacao, if they so want to spread the debate, reach out to them actively as well. Yeah, I think this is wonderful advice. I mean, definitely okay. should keep it on board. Yeah. You mentioned as well that you, and, 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 and I'm going to like push uh, uh, the debates to do that. I mean, tacitly speaking, uh, the, the, the light university that I used to do my debating in had a lot of trouble winning from Israeli teams. And then when we had an, Is an Israeli Dutch debater, so all of a sudden, like a whole new world opened up for yeah. us and we got to yeah. learn far more about that. And I think obviously like we shouldn't reduce it to a sort of like, what is it for us? Or we want to learn more about it. But I think definitely that's like one of the benefits alongside of just getting the, the, the far better and broader perspectives that I think a genuinely diverse circuit can give us that is so worthwhile. So I think these are very, very inclusive advice. You mentioned that you're also going to host Pan Americans, uh, but that unfortunately yeah. didn't happen because it happened right about the moment that the lockdowns happened. So yeah. maybe sketch for me, what was the importance of hosting Panems there and what was your vision for Panems in Curaçao? Yeah, so um, actually it all started with me wanting to host the um, Spanish World Championship um, because um, that was that was the circuit that I was more involved in and I said, okay, you know what? I want to have these people in Curaçao because I'm always the only one they know and they say, what's Curaçao like? What 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 is it and can we come? And me as well trying to sell international tournaments to the local people here in Curacao was also hard. It's like, what is it like? Uh, and what do I do? And is it complicated? And do you really get paid to go judge and stuff like that? Um, so I wanted to bring the, the international tournaments to Curacao so that people here can see what is debating, but also so we can profit from the knowledge that those international debaters bring and then spike our own local circuit by doing that. And while um, advocating and trying to um, run my little campaign for the World Championships Samud and Curacao, um, I went to Panams as well. And they were like, okay, why don't we start, like, why don't we do Panams in Curacao? And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Let's start with something small because it's already a pretty big tournament. 
Um, and that would be a, a way to get um, not only Spanish-speaking debaters, but also English-speaking debaters, specifically from the Caribbean as well, because you have a lot of Jamaican teams um, that participate in Panams as well. And by having Panams in Curacao, we could have reached out to other Caribbean islands so that we can have um, more of that representation in debating as well. And then, of course, it will also be like a sneak preview into what a bigger international tournament in Curacao could look like. Um, so our plans were, okay, we're going to organize this tournament. We were even having a separate division for local high schoolers to participate as well. So it would have been an international university championship combined with the local, um, the national um, championships for the high schoolers. Um, so that the high schoolers can learn from the university students and so the mix it all together and we would have have also local judges that um, usually debate um, more in a different kind of format to experience okay what is this BP thing and what do you guys do with this debating thing so um, it was it was an idea to attract people here you know use that knowledge and also boost our local um, debated circuit so that more people will get the interest to participate or to finance debating. And that was um, the grand plan behind Panems and Curacao. Um, unfortunately, it was right um, in the COVID in the COVID spread um, timeline. So, at the beginning, um, we had this idea: okay, COVID is happening very far away. We can still do it. Um, like I think many people thought that as well. So, like it, it's doable still. And we still had um, we we started having issues with. Um, um, American teams that their schools issued travel restrictions and were like, hmm, this is getting harder. But we, were, we, we still had Spanish speaking teams that could um, run the tournament and also teams from Jamaica. So we're like, this can still happen. So we were measuring the seriousness of the issue as we went. And it came to a point where we had in Curacao our first case and it was it was our measures were taken very fast because we're a small island and we can't take nothing because we're too small. Um, so to prevent the potential outbreak here, everything was canceled. The border were closed and um, yeah, so our tournament also had to cancel and we, we opted to not go online because there was a lot of uncertainty. We didn't know how long it will take or what will happen. And some tournaments decided to postpone, but we thought, okay, it's highly unlikely that a pandemic will be over that soon. So we're just gonna cancel it and see maybe what goes. But it has been a very, it has been a very challenging period to um, go through all of that. So we basically went through the process of organizing an international tournament, but also canceling it. And so we had that knowledge now, um, might be helpful some other day. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's, a, it's a bittersweet experience, um, but we did see that it is possible so that um, we do have that potential to be a place to organize such tournament. And we noticed one positive, positive thing that we took away is that there is a local interest. So the, the minute we started doing the campaign on the local media tour for it, we noticed that there were a lot of sponsors that said, okay, this is cool. This seems like something we can support. There were a lot of people that, for example, saw me on television and said, okay, I wanna, I wanna register my grandson to participate because this is something for him. So I think we spiked that interest and now we're, we're trying to use that interest to mobilize it for our other projects that can go through. Um, on the island itself um, and maybe who knows maybe in a few years we will have um, the Panams indeed in Curacao but that really depends on a lot of things not only the health aspect of the pandemic but also the economic impact that came after it 
everything is more different and more expensive. So, um, yeah, it's something that we'll have to look into if it's still possible in a, in a couple of years. Um, it's sad that it didn't happen, but we, we did take lessons out of it and we did um, get positive, positive things out of it as well. Yeah, I think what I am learning from this is I see that essentially you've taught three lessons that I think can be applied wholesale. I think one, you dream big. And yeah. when you dream big, we suddenly see that you could like upskill uh, towards attempts that never noticed. Because I, I don't think that large amount of debate circuits have been on TV uh, and have been able <laughs> to talk to companies who showed an interest. So I think yeah. that is a wonderful thing. I think secondly, you see debates as being just more than a skill set of like who can come up with like the deepest argumentative explanation in 15 minutes, but you truly see its civic potential. And I think thirdly, yeah. you've managed to look at debate as a thing in which we can combine it into communities. Um, are there any other lessons you want to teach us or are, you say, or are there any lessons you say, I'm still hoping to learn those moving forward? Uh, no, I think you summarized it really well, um, especially the dream big aspect of it. I think um, often um, I had it myself that I was too shy to start doing it because um, it's a new area and you don't know that, you don't know how it will be. And a lot of people told me, why are you even trying to organize a tournament? Just start small with some classrooms and that's it. But you you can only achieve big things if you dream big. So I really wanted to go all out and big with it. And it opens a lot of doors. So as you said, I've been on a television. I did a, tech talk, um, a TED talk for the local TED talk. Um, um, event. So it, it, it opens possibilities beyond what you think is possible because I also first saw debate this way, but then other people paired up with me from different sectors of the society and said, okay, we can do this kind of debate. We can do debate combined with this activity. And I was like, yeah, that, that sounds cool. And, and that's, we create new debate forms, new debate formats and apply it in different contexts. And that, that helps grow not only debating as an activity, but also it helps people as well grow. And I think those are always things that we will stand by. And we hope, what I hope is that the debate world will become as a, as a, as a total more inclusive. So, um, so there is room for more people to be into debates and not just um, the people that are usually now, for example, in tournaments and in the elite class of it, but that it can open its door to more, more type of debating and not only sticking to okay this is what we've done debating has to be like this way but um for university debaters to really engage with their own community so go beyond okay i think right now we're seeing a lot of online tournaments like i, I think every weekend there can be at least three online tournaments um which can be exhausting on its own but i think um as a society, instead of organizing an online tournament team, okay, what can we do, for example, with the local high school? Uh, maybe we can do a tournament with them or um, with your, maybe you have a community center. What can our society do with that community center? Um, maybe connect with protester groups. How can we help with their skills and make those movements better? So um, instead of having just a hobby because it's cool to have a hobby that you can keep going on even during the pandemic, but think beyond the hobby. How can you engage more with your community to foster like debating in those spaces as well? And that way I think we can all grow because um, it will help you as well into the tournament. So you get new perspective that you can use there, but um, 
so if you if you only want to do it for those selfish reasons, at least like do it for that selfish reason. But um, I really hope we can be less selfish and do it to it to um, to help our own communities and that we can grow together. So I think that is what I wish to see more of the debating spaces. And yeah, me myself, I have more to learn because um, I, especially balancing it because now I'm coach, I'm head of the foundation, I'm the money seeker, I, I, I'm engaged in a lot of different things. I go, I'm the public speaker as well. So um, I'm, I'm trying to grow in all of those positions, especially in the part of advocating to the private sector of how to, why they should invest in debating. I think that is the most challenging part that I'm learning more into. So how to speak to these big ass CEOs. Um, so big shots that are there. Um, and now you have to come to explain to them why it's good for them to put their money into it. Um, so um, yeah, I think that is something that I should learn more, but that we as a society can also benefit. So the debating societies can benefit more from it. Um, because they have the money that we can use to we can put in proper use into our communities as well and into the societies so that more people can go to tournaments and novices can get better training and, and make it accessible for more people basically thank you i think that is a wonderful statement to conclude it on if people want to know more about the beta curacao where can they look it up on the internet um, so they can look up Debate Education Foundation. So we have a Facebook, we have an Instagram, we have a Twitter. Um, we also um, have a website. So um, it's um, you just search for Debate Education Foundation um, and we short it up by saying debate it. So debate with a D at the end, debate it, um, which is a very cool thing <laughs> that we, um, we use. But there you can um, find all of our contact details. Um, you can send us a message and to get involved with whichever way you feel like you're getting involved being it to give a training being you want to help set up projects um you want to volunteer your time your energy effort and if you have money to spare we can use that well good we can use that to us here that is wonderful i hope to not only see perhaps curacao innovators make it to the world stage at a tournament but hopefully also see them in a newspaper when they yep. affect the change in willemstad thank you very much natalia engelhardt thank you